Well, here we are. Welcome, everybody, back to the Midlife Mojo Podchat. It's Joe Squires here, the Midlife Clarity Coach. I have with me the most chatty, probably, the most chatty guest that I will ever have on this program. And I already know that she's going to come back for more conversations. We have with us today the lovely Nikki Bailey, who is the queen of coffee and conversation. Aha! Now, we met about a year ago at a lovely Zen day. We'll call it a Zen day because it's now the Zen Den, isn't it? Um yeah. So it was a business that was over in Wales. So we both popped over the border, went to Wales, and um, it was just lovely to meet up with like-minded people, women who were there just for a day of relaxation. And I found out an insider secret straight away that Nikki not only loves her coffee, but she's also a tea lover. We love our coffees, but we also love our tea. So I am going to let Nikki introduce herself to us. You know that this season I am talking about overcoming adversity and how people who are dealing with what they hope is the worst things that they're going to ever have to deal with, um, how they are living, how they are just getting on through life at this moment. And Nikki sprang to mind as someone who I really wanted to talk to. And I know this conversation is going to go anywhere. So (laughs) over to you, my darling, with your fire in the background, your tea in hand. Tell us how you are and what you're doing. On a November morning, aren't we? (laughs) Walk away, my lovely. Oh, thank you very much, Joe, for inviting me um, onto the podcast. Um, the first one blew me away that I listened to uh, last week, which was fabulous. So, yeah, I'm Nikki Bailey, um, given the name of Queen of Coffee and Conversation, two of the things that I really love doing every day in my life. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And there is plenty that you have been through in your life we were talking just before we we started recording about the periods of time that we'll sort of focus on today but actually you are continuing to live with your adversity you are continuing to be a warrior so tell us a little bit about what has happened to you and why you really want to get the message out there and what message you want to share with people okay thank you um so Yeah, so back in 2014, I was diagnosed with a form of blood cancer called chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Um, It was found purely through some blood tests that I was having done on a regular basis for another condition that we were trying to regulate, uh, which is palindromic rheumatism. Mm-hmm. And it just was happened through the blood test that my white cell count was high, my lymphocyte count was high, and it was consistently high. And then the uh, rheumatologist consultant said that she was going to do a specific blood test. I vaguely, very vaguely remember her mentioning the word blood cancer, but it kind of went in one ear and out the other because I was like, no, we're here for swollen, painful joints. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, and I came away with the blood test form, um, and which normally we wouldn't do. We would have done the blood test there. So I went to Dr. Google and I put in the name of the blood test. So I became very aware of specifically what she was looking for. And she was looking for blood cancer. Um. So in my mind, I was like, no, that's not, you know, this isn't, she's just obviously ruling something off. Yeah. And then I went back for my results. So it was February 2014. And I went to the appointment by myself, having researched a little bit about um, blood cancer, specifically chronic, chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And I sat there in front of her and the words were, the blood tests have confirmed you have in fact got blood cancer in the form of chronic lymphocytic leukemia. However, you're CD38 negative. And I sat there and I just went, right, okay. And that was it. And I think I was numb. I think I was totally numb. 
and in shock and was not prepared to show any form of emotion um, in that room. Uh, CD38 negative meant absolutely nothing to me. No, I knew nothing. I had no idea what it was. I left the room and I went to my car and that's when I broke down. That's when I cried because it hit me and I was by myself and I let myself then feel the emotion for, Mm -hmm. you know, that moment of time. That motion was stronger for the fact that I now needed to tell my family that news. So in 2014, how old were you then? I was 37. So 37. Yeah, with two young boys. Yeah. Yeah, two young boys. Um, I think they were three and five at the time they could have been. I'm trying to think now. Um, So as much as I'd heard the news and had to take that on board, the bit that probably upset me and scared me more was that I was going to have to break that news to my family. I knew they'd be scared. I I was scared. So I knew they were going to be scared, but I had a bit of knowledge, um, enough to be able to try and help them through the process of hearing that uh, that those words Mm. which on looking back at it always shocks me that I say those words that I was going to help them process the news yeah because I was like I was there wasn't anybody to help me process the news but my first first thoughts as a mother as a wife as a daughter was I now need to help them process that news and not be scared and to know that it will be okay. <laughs> so do you yeah, think the Dr. That. Google thing was a good thing for you to have done at the time to kind of get you ready or not? Yes. Yeah. And and as a rule, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily advocate people do go searching on the internet. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, to be extremely aware of the sites that they're going to so reputable sites NHS you know forms like that where you're going to get you know the right information um the same as like your Macmillan site um blood cancer awareness they have a way of being able to give the information but in a you know an understandable manner um that isn't written all in fear so they're they're great websites but most definitely because unfortunately there was a delay in the referral over to my cancer consultant so I actually didn't see my cancer consultant for another six weeks after that news so I was given that news but then knew nothing else for six weeks and if I had to say I it transpired further on that actually where I thought I'd I dealt with everything perfectly fine and I'd been very pragmatic about it all there was an instance um that probably happened about two years after I'd received that diagnosis that triggered the trauma response that actually had happened but I wasn't aware of it okay yeah um so yeah so to have the knowledge of the basic knowledge of what I did know because I had gone through Macmillan and um, blood cancer awareness site I'd also found a fabulous support group Mm -hmm. on Facebook that is US based which causes a little bit of confusion because things are done differently in America than what they are here different tests and and things like that yeah Um, but the lady that created that group almost became my I used to laugh and sort of call her my CLL mom because you know she was fabulous at advice guidance um and support and I will forever be grateful for her unfortunately she isn't any longer with us but forever grateful for who she was and yeah the fact she was there for me yeah so there's always someone that you connect with isn't there in particular there is there is yeah and and I at that time I was the sort of person that needed knowledge and I'm that's how I would and, and, and lots of things in life. I yeah. just wanted the knowledge, needed the information, and that was how I navigated things. Mm-hmm. It became very 
I became very aware very quickly that actually there's an awful lot of scenarios and a lot of different things that come into play with uh, chronic lymphatic leukemia. And as I was trying to absorb that information, I realized that actually what it was doing was causing more fear and, and actually none of it might have been applicable to me. And I wouldn't know it until I actually faced that bridge, let's say. Um, so I actually let go of that part of my uh, makeup, really. I'm, I, that isn't me to this day. I don't have a need to have all the knowledge anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's beautiful once you accept that and you are able to release that, isn't it? It makes yeah. whatever you are going through so much more easy to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, Take definitely. pressure off of yourself because you are constantly looking for the answers. And yes. actually, and we'll come back to this, but the answers that you're looking for or you think you're looking for might yeah. not actually be what you need. Or what exactly. You and the timing might not be right. Yeah. Um, you know, what what I was reading, um, I may not have ever faced, or I might have faced, but actually years down the line. Um and it, it, by releasing that, what it also allowed me to do was to entrust my care um, to my healthcare team. Yeah. And I, we wouldn't, I don't think we'd have got there that quickly if I hadn't have hit that point of knowing I needed to release my need to know the ins and outs of absolutely everything. So. And, and that's massive. That is massive. Mm. And, on your Facebook, I can remember it a week or so ago, maybe a bit longer. You'd put a post on there saying trust is a priceless gift from one being to another. And that yes. really struck me to the point that I wrote it down at the time and I've written it down again today. Yeah. It's just, you know, being able to step back and say, I cannot control this. Yes. I am not fully in control of this. I yeah. can only control how I feel about it and how yes. I re- it so yeah I I found yourself um how did you get through that sorry you were going to say that I found no no sorry um so I found the elements that I could control so as you say I can I can control how I how I feel and things like that and how I um act upon things Mm. and so in in the journey with chronic lymphatic leukemia I don't have a whole lot of control in it um what I did take on board that I could control was having my blood results so I am now a massive advocate and I tell everyone that I speak to this that if you ever have any blood tests done ask for a copy of your blood results they may not make much sense to you. Yeah. However, you can then ask your healthcare professional to sort of explain why something might be showing as high or low and what that means. And what I ended up doing tracking over so many years was those blood results. Mm. And I felt like I took back because that's the part I could control to monitor it. Yeah. The rest of it, I had absolutely no idea. You know, my, my consultant, my health healthcare team know what's going on in my body, mm. but I could then ask questions if there were things that sort of were flagging up or something didn't make sense. Um, there was also a moment where back I, whereby I took control and I I speak about this in a um, book that I was extremely um, privileged to be a part of a book collaboration called Scene. That was last year wasn't it that was September. It was yes yeah it's a fabulous book Um, yeah I mean I say that I'm in it because but there's 15 amazing stories in there that which will take you on a full-on roller coaster reading it and and inspiring but We'll put the link in for that, by the way. Yeah, fab. Yeah. Yeah, there was a moment about 12 months after I'd been diagnosed um, whereby I was with chronic lymphatic leukaemia. You don't have treatment straight away. You go into a really random phase that is called watch and wait, which I think really needs. Yeah, it really needs to be renamed because my head 
always went to well, what on earth are we waiting for mm. are we waiting for me to get so poorly and you know um so I would have blood tests on every three months um and a review with my consultant and um I came to a point I remember it vividly I was driving down a country lane and my mind I'm having you know thoughts and we're having conversations probably wasn't feeling maybe in the best place at that time it might have been very close to coming up to a review appointment yeah and I just thought you know what I'm so tired of being frightened and living in fear of this thing that is living in my body because it actually felt like I would I had I had a thing living in my body. I couldn't see it. I didn't know what it was doing. It was like having an alien living yeah. in there. Yeah. And I was kind of going through this conversation with myself and I thought, you know what I need to do here, the way for me to remove the fear, I've got to become friends with this thing. I've got to become friends with it because we could be living together for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And I can't live in that state of fear I wasn't living, I was almost existing because it was like, I didn't quite know. What does my life mean? Is it going to be short, long? What am I going to face? And I've got two young boys as well. And it's like, I wasn't living properly. Yeah. So I basically, and it sounds so, when I think about it now, it's almost quite childlike. I made, firstly, I gave him a name. It's a him. You don't know why it became a him, but it was a him. And I gave him a name and he's called Lenny. So obviously Lenny leukemia goes, doesn't it? Um, so now we're on first first name basis. I'm Nicky, really? he's Lenny. He's a lodger in my body. So Lenny the lodger. <laughs> Lenny the lodger, yeah, it all goes, doesn't it? Um, and we made an agreement. I say we very loosely, but the agreement was that I wouldn't do anything to hurt him if he behaved himself. When was this in the process then? This would have been about just 12 months after, 12 months after my diagnosis. So I pretty much spent a year just over living in a state of existence and fear. Wow. Um, Yeah. So so I made that agreement and the agreement was that if he misbehaved, that I would serve him with an eviction notice that would be acted upon ASAP now I had no idea what that eviction notice meant what it looked like or even if I could action it ASAP yeah but it didn't need to go any further than that it was we're making friends we're going to live together for a long time because almost that was the best case scenario that I could live for many years without Mm -hmm. needing any treatment with cancer that is a weird sense just to start off with, because most of us, when we think of cancer, we're like, I want it gone. I want yes. it cut out. I want you to just get it get out rid. of my body. Yeah. yeah. So to just get used to the fact that me and him were going to have to live together for a very long time um, and that we were on first name basis and that the understanding was he knew I would take action should he misbehave. The whole thing, when you think about it, but on that day, in that car journey, I took back my power. Now have a sip of tea at that point because that deserves a. I've got goose gogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how these things hit us, and it's amazing to hear how you decided, and at what yeah. point you decided to take back that control. Yeah. And that's what's made you the person that you are now. Because here we are in 2022. Yes. You know, it's going to be, it'll be nine years in February, won't it? It is. It's nine years, nine years in February. And um, I have been, I I got to a point where I required treatment, smack bang in the middle of the pandemic, a global pandemic. But that's kind of a symbol, isn't it? That's almost like... It, you know, it was because my, appoint- 
Yeah, my appointments require so basically my appointments to start off with um would cause major, major anxiety. As they came up, I would get into a state of anxiety, worrying about the blood results, even though my consultant had said to me, nothing happens quickly in the world of CLL. Yeah. There was lots of things said right at the beginning that didn't make any sense. Um I remember her saying to me, if you were going to get cancer, you've got the best form of cancer. And I sat there as somebody newly diagnosed with a person that I didn't know thinking, what the hell? Like, is there a best form of cancer? I mean, and supposedly I've got it. Um, It was two years on that I realised exactly what she meant, that I get to live with this cancer. Um. And so, yeah, those appointments, because they cause so much anxiety, my mum used to come with me on them um, so that I wasn't ever alone. There was a part of me that didn't want to experience hearing bad news again by myself, which I had Mm. done on that first appointment. Mm. So my mum would come with me. And then what we ended up doing and deciding to do is we became ladies what lunch on that day, because what it did was take the focus off the appointment because the appointment's quite a lengthy appointment. You can be there for like two to three hours at the hospital. Um, You get your blood results back that day so they can review and you can have your lymph nodes checked and everything like that. Um, But that wasn't the the main thing of the day the main thing of the day was me and mum going and having a lovely lunch and a chat and a catch-up yeah so we turned we had to we had to make a positive of the day which then took off the pressure and the worry and the negativity of what could happen within that appointment but unfortunately obviously when um we hit the pandemic um quite rightly so those clinics you weren't allowed to bring anybody with you yeah so the day that I heard the news that I'd reached a point of needing treatment I was by myself which is just when I think about it I was like it that's how it happens however I was strangely prepared for it and I was like right okay let's get this done Let's You've get been this through it one time before. Yeah. You've got through it. You can do it yeah. again. And of course, you then you wouldn't have been able to go out for lunch afterwards either. You wouldn't not that you no. wanted to do that. It was the focus of of the day. Yeah. Um, I looked the positive for me is on that, and I am very much somebody who is always looks for the silver lining, gold lining, whichever one wants to come first. Um, the positive for me was that. At the time, a clinical trial was available and um, it's limited, it's limited spaces on it. And so because had that trial not been available, my first port of call would have been chemotherapy. Through that clinical trial, I am treated with uh, targeted drugs that don't require me to go and have chemotherapy. I take the tablets at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the side effects there is side effects but they're minimal in comparison to chemotherapy yeah and that trial I believe actually closed two months after I got on it so when we say the timing was awful in the middle of a pandemic it could not have been better timing somebody's because looking out for you time. aren't they yeah yes yeah. yeah so I was extremely extremely lucky to be able to get access to that clinical trial so what does your day look like now what does life look like for Nikki Bailey now well following that diagnosis in 2014 at the time I was working for social services and I had been for near on 18 years um a job that I absolutely loved hands-on so Mm -hmm. I supported um adults within the community around reablement so if they'd been discharged from hospital and we were doing um learning new skills regaining independence things like that and I absolutely loved that job Um, but there was a lot of pressure and stresses um behind the scenes as often there is um that massively affected 
how I felt about it and and would affect me. Mm-hmm. It was unsociable hours. I was juggling as a as a mum of two young boys. My husband and I were ships in the night at the door. It was like right, they're your children. I'm going out, yeah. do my shift, to get home really late, and then back up really early again with the kids. And you know, exhausted best part of the time. Yeah, working Christmases, missing times with my children. Um, that diagnosis made me sit and look and go things need to change and the funny thing is I always class myself as I'm not a risk taker I don't want to be self-employed because it meant taking a risk 18 years I've had a wage coming in every month a pay slip yeah you know I'm I'm, I was feet under that table firmly but when that cancer diagnosis came through actually changing my career and turning it upside down in his head wasn't as scary at all, was not. And it gave me, again, chance to take control and go, right, what is important to me? Where do I need to be? What do I need to do for me? So I did actually do a very short interim change of a uh, position within the council, mm-hmm. um, which was not the job for me, did not enjoy it's very high pressure it was part-time and I was working it full-time um however that was the door for me to step away yeah and I know had this diagnosis not come along I would still be doing I would still be with the council with social services now so Probably still missing out I could on make family. Move. yes yeah that diagnosis allowed me to make that choice, um, empowered me to make that choice. So I've actually been self-employed now since oh 2015, I started in my business. And then 2016, I left, April 2016. So I've been self-employed since 2016. So tell us about um, your business. Well, it's that's a bit of it. So I, the reason I left um, with a business uh, with the one-to-one diet by Cambridge Weight Plan. Yeah. And I did that because I, another way that I took back control initially as well is that when I was diagnosed, I wasn't in the best of health. I was overweight. I wasn't eating good foods. It definitely wasn't drinking any water. My water came in the form of a coffee, literally, back then. So I must have been like a shriveled up prune. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, was no doubt your working day, wasn't it? Because it was, yeah. The coffee got me through the day and everywhere. So you needed that coffee, but also you don't focus on yourself when you're in a a cycle like that, do you? In an environment like that. So that was a real good first step then to take back. Yeah. And I did. And I literally was like, you know what, what I can do here is I can get my body in the best possible place it can be when we really are going to take the fight on. Because yeah. I never felt like you often see kicking cancer's button, you know, the word warrior, which I will cover in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I never felt that that was me because I was living, living. with the cancer. We weren't in the fight at yeah. all. Because if you can imagine, if I'd have been fighting, come out fighting back in 2014, and we're at, tw- I'd have been exhausted, at tw- you know, hitting 2022. That's a long, long fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you and Lenny so were in locking horns left, right and centre. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know what? He'd have won in the basis of I wouldn't have had a life. Yeah. I'd have missed out on so much because my focus would have been on him. Yeah. And it didn't need to be. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I made the decision actually to go on plan. Um, to go with the one-to-one diet to lose weight I was determined I was going to lose weight I had to get approval from my um, consultant and the medical team at the Mm one-to-one diet because thankfully it wasn't classed as an active cancer so I was allowed to do it under the plan if you do have cancer you can't do plan rightfully so yeah Um, so I did and I lost three stone I became fitter as a whole, mindset-wise, physical-wise, everything. There was a massive transformation. And following that, I thought, you know what? I could 
my my consultant, uh, one-to-one diet consultant said to me, do you, you know, would you like to do this? And I was like, you know what? I think I would. And yeah. it gave me the avenue to be able to step out of my job. Full-time job, yeah. And so that's what I've done. So today, to this date, I am still a one-to-one diet consultant and I do work specifically with women. And during that time, I have trained in um, NLP and I have trained as a life coach because to me, um, the diet is one thing. It We have to address what is going on for us and why we make the choices of food that we do. Um, there's a whole lot. It isn't as simple. I often hear, you know, it's eat less calories, move more. Jeez, if it was as simple as that, you know what? We'd all be doing it, wouldn't we? we would. The mind's Absolutely. a complex thing. It's a yeah. complex thing. Yeah. And it's so individual. And so that work has to be done. So I do that work with my clients um, and we get the results. So I do that. And then I've kind of transitioned into, I have a fabulous Facebook group called The Coffee Lounge. Obviously. We love it. <laughs> we love it. Which is an amazing community for women. It was created by women and it is for women. And I get fabulous guest speakers in on a regular basis. And we cover such an array of topics within that group. Yeah. Um, my passion for that group is twofold. One, it is to support women as a whole, to give them that community of basically getting around a table with your girlfriends, with a cup of coffee, and we put the world to rights. Yeah. And we let each other know that we're never alone in things. Um, what, you know, what you might be experiencing, but you don't want to talk to anybody because you feel like you're the only one experiencing. If I need to be, I will be that person that will go on live in Facebook and I'll say, I've got this going on for me. I'll be the first person to say it so that you then feel this is the place that you can come in and say it and we can Absolutely. talk about it. So important, isn't it, right now? So, so important and a safe community, a supportive community, um, which is why as a whole, I don't, in that group, I don't just throw invites out to people. I tell people what the group is about. Yeah. And then if it sounds right for you, then you can click to join. And, you know, I'm not going to, it's not for everybody. And I don't want everybody in there. I want supportive people in there. And that's important to me. The other fold of it is that we have a business element to it. So a lot of the women within the group, not all of them, have their own business, their own small business. And that is, that's a challenge in itself. It's somebody's dream to start off with. It's somebody's way of balancing life and business bringing Mm. an income in navigating you know their maybe their um caring responsibilities and things like that so to support a woman in building that business is really really important to me as well so when I get guest speakers in it's again they're sharing their knowledge but we're also helping to get eyes on their business so that you know people can connect with them should they feel it's right for them or that that person's right for them um I'm naturally birthed from that group was the coffee lounge business directory (laughs) which is a business directory website which is just uh female small business owners on there and we have a very small membership group at the moment, which isn't massively active. We're gonna, I'm going to be doing some work in there. So I have that then um, basically so that I can shout loud and proud about all of these business women and help to get eyes on their businesses from an audience that they maybe wouldn't necessarily have access to. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's I suppose that's where my passion is. It has always been in caring and supporting for as long as I can remember, just in many different forms. Um, conversations, always conversations. Your tea's uh, going cold, love. Take a sip. I, <laughs> I told you I could talk for England. I didn't actually sip then when I made that sound. <laughs> People thinking that I'm a slur. We haven't yet snorted either. We've clearly not laughed enough yet to snort. No, gosh, don't start me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've been a bit lapsed. I haven't yet joined your coffee lounge business directory. Hands up. I'm owning that one. Um, but I did message you the other day, didn't I? And say, I you must did. come into this. I must come into this. Because I think for all of us, yes, community is amazing. I think the people and the community that you and I have come together through are all nurturers. Yes. Very much. So. I don't have children, but I have always had it in me to be. I was always anti Joe, you know, yeah. and, and you know, I, I'm the same with my dogs now as I am as I would be with children. No doubt they get yeah. spoiled rotten, and that is, you know, what they are. But I think, you know, we've both been in a book collaboration. It is a fabulous thing to go through, a yeah. fabulous experience, and it is so cathartic to be able to put down your experiences to get your story out there. And they do say that once you can talk about your experiences without that emotion, without the tears, then you have recovered, but you are continuing to go through yours right now. And you mentioned the word warrior earlier. So Mm. we were going to come back to that, weren't we? Because you did say that you were very much inspired to come on here as a guest after Jay's podcast. Most definitely. That we've had. So just explain, we had a lovely conversation before we started recording and then we said, oh, we've got to record this. <laughs> so where do we start with all that? Because that was a good 20 minutes. <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm going to, I'll touch on the, the book again, only because I actually wrote my chapter whilst I was in hospital getting treatment. Like I literally that so for me that's how powerful that chapter is for me when I read it yeah um I read it as a reader not as the author yeah um I take so much from my own words because I was in a place of treatment first time in hospital and yet there is so many lessons in my own words for me yeah and so I do go back and I read it every now and again to remind myself of what I'm capable of. I find that bit really emotional. Yeah. You know, that that whole reminder of who we actually are. Yeah. And, and I will say it to anyone who's listening. There is a story in all of us. <sighs> Definitely. There is something we can all share because I'd gone for years and years wanting to be a writer. I've got an English degree. I'm an English teacher um qualified many many moons ago um never really did anything with it and then thought I've got to try and do something and for some reason the book collaboration then just came into my sphere and I thought yeah I want to do this but I haven't actually got a story you know my my life was nowhere near as dramatic as as others is what I thought but actually we all have something to share Mm. um so come yeah, back definitely. to your story on that point because yeah, you're reading it as a reader, and that's we try to write it yeah, from that you know, point away, we, but yeah. from the reader's perspective. Yeah. Um, so for yeah. you to do that actually in the hospital having treatment at that time. Yeah, that yeah. Was it that was really again, it was like the timing was just so perfect. Yeah. Because and I actually make a note of it in the chapter that you know, that chapter, I'm I'm not great so whereas um you have a you know a fabulous qualification I was I think I might have scraped a d in English I mean as I was writing it I could vision my English teacher at high school going as if she's well, writing the, the yeah. funnier thing is I got a u for English lit wow isn't it <laughs> crazy and then I yeah. went back and did it a year later so I was the last year of o levels and I got a u in English lit I did get a B in English language, but a U in English lit. Um, and then I went back and did the first year of GCSEs and I got yeah. a great B then. And then I went on and did an English degree and then a primary teacher with English specialism. And then I've written blogs. How crazy website. is and that? Now, yeah. And now we're number one best-selling authors. <laughs> See, and you know what? There's a story in that in itself, in the fact of, you know, we don't, you don't give up if there's a passion or if there's a fire inside of you around something just because you might have got that you initially Mm. you know you don't stop there if you're passionate you keep going keep going keep going oh there's another story in there there? there's coming (laughs) off left right I'm writing so many notes down here thinking that's another one and that's another one (laughs) 
Yeah, so it was really important to me, actually, um, that I mentioned in the chapter that my story didn't end there because I'm very much on that journey. Um, And, you know, I'm going to be on this journey for quite a long time at present because it is a clinical trial. I may never get to a point where we stop treating. Okay. And that is... That was uh, something that I didn't realise when I started treatment. It, it was almost, if I had to say, I probably only realised that about six, seven months ago. Mm. And I take an awful lot of tablets, an awful lot of tablets. And like I say, there are side effects to the tablets, minimal, but there's side effects. Yeah. I live with um, consistently balance, balancing very low energy levels. Yeah. Um, so I have to make adjustments and I get frustrated get massively frustrated I'm 46 and at times I feel like I'm going on 80 90 Mm. um if I were to go away for the weekend I have to understand that actually the week following that weekend is probably going to be wiped out so I then have to accept that we need to balance that out so there's you know there's choices um that need to be made. And I'm sure a lot of people with um, illnesses that that does affect their uh, energy levels will understand that. I I was introduced or someone mentioned spoon theory to me Mm. a while back of like, you have so many spoons and you you decide where they go. And I think that's not just for somebody who's got challenges with their energy. That's something that we should all really take on board, that our energy, energy is very precious. Yeah. Um, so don't waste those spoons on things that you don't need to be wasting them on. Yeah. To then be left with not enough spoons for the things that matter. Why spoons? All I can think I don't know. It's called spoon theory. (laughs) We've got some birthday cake to eat downstairs, and I and I ate the last piece with a spoon. And all I'm thinking is, well, that spoon's going right in that yeah it's but I suppose it's quite a visual thing isn't it you know I suppose it didn't have to be spoons but (laughs) like I say if you've got 10 spoons just be conscious of where you're spending or or using those spoons or giving those spoons to people I suppose it comes even and you can look at it as energetically where you're giving it to people and uh, you know, are you happy to give that spoon to somebody um, at the risk of somebody else not having it? And are you keeping enough for yourself? And and I guess, you know, boundaries comes into this and that oh, is exactly what right. that is, isn't it? So yes. I, I can remember the day that we met and it, and it was a lovely, relaxed environment and we were sitting yes. around talking and I can remember you saying that the next day you would be wiped out even after that one day. And even though everybody else would have left there feeling so relaxed and so calm you were really going to struggle and obviously I've followed you on on social media etc since then having seen some of your ups and downs I see a lot of you in coffee shops certain ones Oh, the mini little cup that I bought myself yesterday. Yeah, I love that key ring. It brought me so so much happiness. (laughs) It just made me chuckle. Yeah, we do love our costas, don't we? So, of course, you know, when when the whole uh, seasonal ones came in, we got really excited about it. But, you know, for you, those are important things, aren't they? They get you out. They help you mix with other people you see other people when yeah. you are there, physically sitting in the coffee lounge and, and oh, I'm always when I say to people I'm going to the office that's where I'm going you will find me in Acosta there are other coffee shops out there should you wish to choose in fact you had to take mine. the other day you had to do it didn't you and go to the opposition I did and I felt like I was having an affair <laughs> I was like please don't tell Costa that I'm in here <laughs> Everybody was really shocked. Why are you doing stuff? Actually, to be honest, when they do their pumpkin spice latte, I do tend to sort of resist there a bit more. But um, yeah, the reason people have asked me before, like the coffee lounge and like, what is that about? And the best way I can explain it is I'm a people watcher and always have been a people watcher. I'm also... Um, what I was informed and told that I'm empathic, which makes total sense now. Wish I'd known that many years ago because yeah. I understood what was going on a lot more. Yeah. Um, 
So for me, when I sit in a coffee lounge and I'm looking around, it just fills my heart with something because I can see those conversations happening between people. So for like a prime example, I might see um, a group of um, new new mums or mums with, you know, um, newborn babies or very little babies and they've met up and they're having a coffee you know they they all feel absolutely exhausted because they've got sleep deprivation going on um and they're talking about what's going on for them and you can see that there's they're all kind of looking at each other for that reassurance that you know we're doing okay here we're doing um so I can see in my mind that plays out as a conversation and that's really important for them in that moment um when I go to the coffee shop with my mum and we sit and we just have a chat and we'll have just a major catch-up um when I meet up with my friends and again you know we talk about all sorts it's like nothing's off the table we talk yeah. about everything and anything so for me that's what a coffee lounge or a coffee shop represents it's the place of connection and communication um which is super super important um so yeah that's so I like going there and I get very inspired for my work and my posts and things that I do um by being in the office so and I'm the girls at Costa know me I'm going to be joining you next time at Chester Services because that's one that's oh, yeah. too far from here definitely I'll be joining you in there so yeah the um I mean I think we really could put the world to rights in and I would definitely love oh, you yeah. back here as a guest in future and, oh, you know I think we could just you are the queen of conversation put the coffee aside you are the queen of conversation regardless um if there was one thing that you could say to people about thriving in life rather than just surviving and I'm putting Mm -hmm. you completely on the spot here there's probably going to be more than one thing that you'll want to say but what's the first thing that comes to mind um trying to think now because I'm the reason I'm probably being a bit slower on the answer is I obviously I've covered how I made friends with Lenny and how I found a way of taking back control but I, I want to cover the fact that last week when I was listening to Jay's podcast yeah I was not sitting in the best place in my own sort of emotional and mental health um I mentioned to you before we went um live that I'm aware that I feel like as a society we are a lot of us are feeling disconnected at the moment yeah, with ourselves, are. with yeah. people in our lives. Yeah. I think a lot of us are finding that we've lost ourselves a little bit along the way. But I also think, and quite rightly so, someone else said, I think, you know, we may also be experiencing a touch of PTSD following lockdown yeah, and things like that. That whole thing yeah. that we feel like we've survived and we've got through it, but it had an impact yeah. And maybe we're getting to a point now that we're actually acknowledging what that impact was. Mm. Um, and I'd lost, I'd lost the fight a little bit. And I was giving in to where Lenny's got me living at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'd given in to that and sort of kind of just lost my energy. And I don't class, like I said before, I don't class myself as a warrior. Yeah. Um, but I understood that meaning after listening to Jay's podcast last week. Um, He reminded me that I am a fighter and that I am a warrior and that I can kick backside and I've got that in me. And in that moment, as much as, to be brutally honest, I was probably choosing to stay in that place, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not aware of that. And... I came back out fighting after listening to it. I was like, no, this is my life. This is not a rehearsal, as it's been said by quite a lot of people. Um, And I'm 46. I'm not 80, 90 plus. I'm 46. And I'm taking back power again. So I think we have many moments through life where we can take back our power. And it isn't a bad thing that sometimes we lose it a little bit along the way, because sometimes we need that to come back Mm. and go, 
no, this is how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. I haven't got all the answers right now, but I don't need all the answers. Yeah. Don't need all the answers. We let go of that part. We just take a step forward and we say where it leads us. I wish people could see now. I cannot stop smiling when you said that about listening to what Jay had said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he and I were just chatting away. That is the kind of person he is. And there will be so many people throughout this season of the podcasts who are very, very similar to you, who don't see yeah. yourselves as warriors. Um, there are ladies coming on um, who have invisible illnesses of other kinds, fibromyalgia. Yeah. There's a lady who is coming on with various other illnesses. I'm not even going to talk about them yet because it's she's a phenomenal lady, yeah. as, as you are. Um. hearing other people's experiences being inspired by those experiences is what I really am so grateful to be able to share with others so I am so passionate about enabling people to see the strength and the power that they genuinely have you are right we were talking before we started recording about having lost our way a little bit and Mm. you know it is like the rebuild phase it's like after a war Mm. almost isn't Mm -hmm. it it's like the rebuild phase now okay so we're facing another challenging we're facing another challenge as well aren't we so it's absolutely trying to recover from one major major challenge that has never been known in life no. full stop no. um that I'm aware of to that extent to then be facing our, our current climate challenge yeah. it's it's exhausting and it's tiring isn't it and you know yeah. sometimes we need to go back to the basics we need to come back home to ourselves and go where do we want to be in this how do we want to feel in this who do we want to be with in this and it, I, I, that to me that's powerful in itself Let's come back and talk about that. We'll talk Ooh. about boundaries. We'll talk about power. We'll talk about energy. We'll talk about mm. the vibrations that we need to be living in and really getting that message out there to people that everything you need is actually within you already. Yes. Yeah. Everything you need, you already have. It's just finding it. It's tapping into it and yeah. it's using it to your advantage. Definitely. And we are so excited about getting that message between you, your conversation, your caffeine, me, my energy, my midlife magic. It's just going to get out there to as many people as we possibly can. So I've absolutely loved hearing what you have gone through, what you are going through, how you are continuing to live with Lenny. Lenny the lodger. Yeah. No, I won't say anything crude about living with a man. He's got one foot out the door right now. Yeah, he's one foot out the door. You just need to push the other one out. (laughs) I mean, you've pretty much smiled all the way through this as well. It's been quite emotional. It's been quite goosebumpy. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed this and has taken something from it. I would love to hear what people do take from this. You know, I've had some lovely messages, as as I did from you after you'd heard Jay's as well. Um, I've had some lovely private messages from people after they've heard the podcast so I really hope you've enjoyed this one as well and if anyone else has any other messages stories experiences to share that you think anyone else will benefit from or you simply want to talk about then do let us know because I'm sure Nikki and I will be doing more of these sessions together and it would be great to hear from you so thank you very much Nikki Bailey Go off, finish your cup of tea. In fact, it must be nearly coffee time. And um, I'm going to go off and eat my cake with my spoon that I'm not going to (laughs) waste. Oh, thank you very much, Jo. You are more than welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Listeners, thank you very much. Please share with anybody that you think might benefit from hearing these things. And I will say, remember, midlife should be fun, not a crisis. On that note, bye-bye.